Good to see you. We've just finished our Hidden Messages series where we looked at the shortest books of the Bible, like the one chapter verses in the Bible. Um, sometimes they're a bit of a mission to find. If I must be honest, I need to go to the contents page sometimes and see where they are. But, the, but so, so we've just finished that series. And as Grant said last week, it was a little bit tough. It was like a bit pulling teeth. But the reason why we do that is we believe in the whole counsel of God. We don't believe we can pick and choose what scriptures we can submit our lives to. Um, we want to submit ourselves to the whole canon of Scripture. So we don't go to Scripture and make Scripture submit to us. We submit to Scripture. But this morning, I'm going to be sharing on something that I feel very passionately about, and that is the gospel and how it applies to our lives. So the gospel and life. So if you have your Bibles, can you please turn to Galatians 2, um, and I'm going to read from 11 to 14. If you don't have, don't stress, it will come up behind me, and I'll just read through it quickly. So when Cephas, or Peter, Cephas is Peter, I have you say that name, um, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. I would also be afraid of them. Um, the other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were, and this is my key verse for this morning, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cyphus Peter, in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? So let me give some context here. Peter was a Jew who believed in Jesus. When Jesus asked him who he was, he said, you are the son of God, you are the Messiah, you are the son of the living God. He believed that Jesus was the savior of the world. He believed that Jesus paid the price for him um, and, and died on a cross in his place for him. So he believed that he couldn't reconcile himself to God. Um, he believed exclusively in what Jesus had done. But over time and from the influence of his friends, um, like their the influence started to creep in. And they, and they said, if you really, really want like, guaranteed forgiveness, you need to do this and you need to be like this and you need to do this and do that and then he started mixing kind of rules and regulations jewish customs with jesus and that's what paul said you are not acting in line with the truth of the gospel and what started to happen was the self-righteousness crept into peter and he thought hmm, i'm gonna separate myself i'm better than these people i'm like this kind of holy joe that i look down on people i don't want to go to i don't want to just just don't want to be with them and then Paul, in the strongest possible term, says, you're not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. So firstly, what is the gospel? Okay? Um, if you've been around this community for long enough, you've probably heard that word a few times, so it's good that we define it. Now, the gospel is really broad. I mean, it's, it's broad. And it essentially means good news. And if we have to ask, and, and then, therefore we should ask ourselves, what's so good about this news, if it is good news? And the answer is Everything. That's why it's so difficult to narrow it down into a single definition. But Grant gave me a really cool definition from Matt Chandler, and I love it. And it says, in its simplest form, the gospel is God's reconciling work in Christ, that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, God is making all things new, both personally for those who repent and believe, and cosmically as he redeems culture and creation from its subjection to futility. That's a very fancy definition. But... <laughs> If I have to put it simply, the gospel is about Jesus. It's about his life, death, resurrection, what he's done, and the implications it has for us, how we live our everyday lives. Okay, so for years when I heard the gospel, I thought, yeah, okay, that's 
kind of what Jesus did for me on the cross. I believe that. I've done some, I've done some things I'm not too proud of in my life, and I need forgiveness for those things. And um, I've kind of, now that my sins are forgiven, I've got my VIP pass into heaven one day, and I'm kind of sorted. But then what's, what started to happen was I lived with this incredible sense of, um, of guilt and insufficiency that I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not like meeting the grade now because I was kind of stuck between this transition. So what do we do once we've accepted that we need forgiveness, once we've believed what Jesus has done for us, until we actually see him face to face? So what, like, what do we do in that, in that transition mode um, when we're there? Um, see, I thought the gospel was the ABC of Christianity. But the more I'm starting to be aware of my own flawed, and oh, sorry, my own how flawed I am, and my own brokenness, the more I'm starting to realize it is the A to Z of Christianity. It's not just the ABCs of Christianity. And while, yes, Jesus did die for us, and he was raised from the dead, and that means that we've forgiven, we accepted, one day we will see Jesus face to face. We will. But if that's all that we believe that Jesus is good for, we're essentially just biding our time here on earth until we see him face to face. Does that make sense? Um, please talk to me. <laughs> Very quiet this morning. Um, see, if, if that's all that Jesus is good for, we've got to ask ourselves, are we missing out on something? Are we missing out on something in that sort of interim phase as we live our lives? What does it mean to walk in step with the truth of the gospel? That's what I want to speak on. And how I want to do that is hopefully by telling a few stories and how the gospel has influenced various people's lives. We can begin a journey of applying this gospel to our lives. And letting it outwork itself in our everyday lives. Because the gospel changes everything. Not just for when we die one day, but actually for how we live our lives now. Sometimes I think we as believers in Jesus, we, we, and I put myself in here, we don't realize the hugeness of what Jesus ushered in with his life, death, and resurrection. We don't realize um, what God has for us. And, and we, let me illustrate this by, by telling a story. Um, about this couple who won the UK lottery, 60 million pounds, which is a lot of rons. It's over a billion rand, if you yeah, use the exchange rate. Now imagine one day you're sitting there now, and somebody phones you, and, and it's not one of those fake emails that you get where it's terrible English saying you've won a billion, this is genuine, you won a billion rand. So you are who you are now, but tomorrow you're now a billionaire. Hey? That would uh, be amazing. But... So, so, I mean, these are serious numbers, and I like to illustrate things by way of examples. So here, I've got 119 marbles in here. You're laughing at him. <laughs> one, th- if this were a billion in here, one marble would be about eight and a half million rand. Okay, that's a lot, eh? Just trying to put things into perspective. I could do a lot. In fact, I could even do with just the surrounding of this marble could be a game changer for me. But these guys had all these marbles, and you know what they wanted to do? They wanted to buy a new pair of shoes. Because, hey, he's... He's always wanted this new pair of shoes. And the wife wanted to fly their daughter over to a holiday. Now, that sounds really cool, but you, you kind of get the idea that they don't realize how their lives have changed. Things are not going to... I mean, they can go buy a Jolly Jumbo jet if they want with that money. This is not life as they know it. Everything has changed for them. But you see, their mindset hadn't changed. They still saw themselves the same, maybe a little bit differently, but they didn't realize that their lives had completely changed forever. You know what, sometimes we like that in Christ. When we believe the gospel and allow it to influence our lives, you know what happens? We've won the ultimate jackpot and everything changes for us. Your sins are forgiven. 
You're reconciled to God, your creator. Your eternity is something to look forward to. We no longer fear death. We no longer have to fear death because we know we will be reconciled with our creator one day. And our life here and now begins to have incredible purpose and meaning. And we're not just kind of waiting to die. See, the gospel of Jesus Christ has the potential to influence every area of our lives, not just for when we die or some later event one day. And this good news slowly begins to filter through into every area of our lives. And I thought, how can I illustrate this? How, what's, I mean, that sounds really cool uh, when I say it, but how can I practically show that? So while killing myself on a treadmill one day, I thought this is a great example. So I belong to this Virgin Active gym. Okay, here's another gym card. <laughs> if, you, if you call them and you ask, does Shane Cadman, you quote my ID number. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a member Yeah, He's a member here. Pay every month. It's down there by the stadium. That's where I go. Um, and uh, every now and then I pop in, uh, I get my fitness points in. If somebody asks me, what do you do for exercise? I say, I belong to a gym. Yeah, baby. I feel very proud about the fact that I belong to this gym. But you know what? This, counts, this little card here really counts for nothing or counts for very little unless I'm using the gym membership. Unless I am training and being healthy and exercising and applying what's going on there, that this, this membership, unless I'm applying it to the rest of my life, actually doesn't count for anything. I've got the card, really, I've got the card. But if I'm allowing this gym membership to influence my life, do you know what begins to happen? Okay, obviously exercising is the obvious answer, but um, <clears throat> I begin to eat better. <laughs> uh, I don't know about you, but when I exercise, suddenly that brownie, when I look at it, I think... <clears throat> Brownie, I've just killed myself on the treadmill. Ugh, I don't want to undo everything I've done here. And what starts to happen is my desires begin to change. And, and before, I'd just like smash everything. And now I think I'm not going to undo everything I'm doing here because this is hard work here. I'm not going to undo it. So my desires begin to change. Um, I begin to feel healthy and generally better about myself. Um, I feel more energetic, less tempted to eat junk. I go to bed earlier, I get more sleep because everything that's happening here with the gym is beginning to infiltrate every other area of my life. My overall outlook on life completely changes because I'm allowing what's happening here to influence everywhere else. Now imagine if I went to the gym manager after two years when my contract was up and I said, okay, I've paid my monthly whatever. And um, I'm still the same. I've still got this bit of a spare tire here. Um, I'm, I'm not feeling as healthy. Nothing's changed in my life. This gym doesn't work. <laughs> what do you think the gym manager's going to say? He said, did you use the membership? Did you actually come to gym? Did you, did you allow the gym to change your thinking, your life, your outlook? Or was it just like a poppin' thing that you do? Poppin', my little paper thing. Now, the gospel is like that. But please don't confuse the analogy. Jesus has paid your gym membership. You do not need to pay for a single thing. Jesus, you cannot reconcile yourself to God. Please don't confuse the analogy. I'm not saying you have to work at your salvation. But what I'm saying is that Jesus has paid everything there is to pay. You don't need to pay a thing. But is that payment shaping and changing and influence the way we live our lives now? Is it? Is knowing that we are loved and accepted by the creator of the universe knowing that the payment for everything that we have done wrong has been paid, knowing that when the Father looks at you, He sees His Son, He sees Jesus, and He says over you, you are my beloved daughter, or my beloved son, like Marion, you are my beloved daughter. Brett, you are my beloved son. Pascal, I can just put your name there, Damien. When, 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 when God looks at you, He says that over you, you are my son. 
Megan, you are my daughter. With you, I am well pleased. Is that, are, are those truths infiltrating the way we live our lives today? Or are they just kind of truths like the earth is round? Durban gets really hot in summer. We drive on the left-hand side of the road. They're truths. They're all truths. But they don't impact our lives in the way we live. But the gospel is not about waiting to die. It's having our sins forgiven and then I'm kind of going into heaven. No, God wants to bring his kingdom into your life now. Where you find your life now, God wants to begin to influence and and, um, bring more of his kingdom. In John 17, 3, Jesus says this. He says, this is eternal life, that they may know me. See, the moment we place our faith in Jesus, our eternal life has already begun. It's already begun. And... uh, (sighs) Can I be honest, if, if the gospel only applied to a few hours of church activities during the week, I'd probably not be interested. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be interested in something that I only kind of pop in um, here and there um, a few days a week. But let me, let me illustrate this by numbers, because uh, if you know me, I'm a bit of a numbers man. So let's say we sleep for 24 hours in the day, okay? Work with me. And let's say we sleep for seven, okay? So that leaves 17 hours of being awake, okay? So if we 17 hours of being awake, and there's seven days in the week, 7 times 17 equals 119. Okay, are you with me? Okay, just remember that number. And let's say we come to church for maybe one and a half hours, okay? And we, if we, and we got a life group for two and a half hours, which makes four hours. Okay, so of the 119 hours that we're awake, if we come to church for four hours, oh wow, I have 119 marbles here, how's that, eh? <laughs> And four marbles here. And you see, I actually, I wouldn't be interested in this if it just really only applied to such a small portion of my life. But you know what the gospel does? I promise you, Jesus never went to the cross for just this. This works out to 3%. 4 over 119 is just over 3%. I promise you, Jesus wants more than just, than just this in our lives. Just such a small portion. Could it be, could it be that this, what we learn here today, what, what we learn when we go in life groups, could it be that this, this gospel here, this representation of the gospel, what we learn on Sunday, applies to the rest of our lives? Could it be that, that, that what we learn here about Jesus and the gospel and life applies to the rest? Yes, absolutely. And it begins to influence and change what happens here. Not just a small little percentage. Yeah, please, don't just limit the gospel to Sundays and Tuesdays or Wednesdays or whenever you go to life group. It's not, there's so much more to it than that. But let's talk practically. How can this practically apply to our lives? Gosh, it's jolly hot in here. Um, Can I have a sip of water, please? So, mm, when we get this gospel, when we get this 3%, it begins to affect the other 97% of our lives. And how does it do that? Well, the first thing is our relationships with each other, our relationships with our fellow man. In, in, in Ephesians 4.32, it says, because of the gospel, we can forgive because Jesus Christ forgave us. We can forgive. In Colossians 3, verse 13, in the New Living Translation, it says, make allowance for each other's faults. I love that. Make allowance. Please make allowances for my faults. I've been told I'm brash and I'm to the... Make allowance. If there's someone that you know that is maybe a little bit conservative and, and they're a little bit shy, but you think that, oh, they are so self-righteous, make allowance for their shyness. Make allowance for each other's differences. 
but not just because I'm, Shane says so, but why? This is the, the motivation to make allowance is because remember the Lord forgave you. Remember the Lord. You can't forgive on your own, please. You can't forgive. But when you have received forgiveness, let's me stick to my notes. Nothing done against us compares to our sin against God. Therefore, all offenses, and, and, and I say this with sensitivity because I know some of you have had some hectic things happen to you. And I'm really sorry, and I'm, I don't know what it's like, and I'm sorry for what you've gone through. But all offenses, hostility, bitterness between our fellow man can be completely forgiven and removed. Do you know why? Because we have been completely forgiven, and our sin has been completely removed. Therefore, we can forgive others. See, if I hold on to grudges with Sonia, who's my amazing wife, if I hold on to grudges with her, and we had a little thing in the toy shop yesterday about what to buy the kids, <laughs> and if I hold on to that grudge, anyway, I'll leave that for another day, um, I chose to forgive, and it was a much more pleasant ride home. Um, but if I hold on to grudges with, with my wife, with my friends, with my colleagues, with family, I refuse to forgive them because they hurt, because they hurt me. I seriously need to ask myself, do I know what I have been forgiven from? If I'm holding on to grudge, there's this anger inside me. Lord, actually show me what I've been forgiven from so that I can forgive them. See, I need to ask myself, do I understand what I've been forgiven from? See, if we are convinced that Jesus has completely forgiven us, that empowers us to forgive others and have grace with others. You see, if my forgiveness before God has everything to do with my performance, so I kind of have to earn, I have to prove, I have to prove myself. I've got to, God, I'm going to show you I can do this. God, I'm going to show you. Then will you forgive me? Then you know what's going to happen? Is that performance mentality is going to creep its way into the way that I treat other people. And I'm going to other people that hurt me, and I'll make them work off the debt that they owe me by maybe not talking to them, maybe giving them the cold shoulder, or ignoring them, or avoiding them, or just being downright mean. Because you know why? Because I still have a performance mentality towards my own forgiveness. See, if my own forgiveness before God is based on all those things, based on balancing these kind of skills, I'm going to treat other people the same. But oh, when I know that my forgiveness is not based on what I do, but it's based exclusively on what Jesus has done for me. I don't deserve his forgiveness. I cannot earn his forgiveness. I cannot kind of balance these scales of good and bad things. It is unconditional. When I stand before God, it is unconditional. My forgiveness, it is exclusively based on what Jesus has done. Then that filters into those who've hurt me and, and have offended me. Just like people don't deserve my forgiveness. Yeah, yeah, they don't. I agree with you. People don't deserve your forgiveness. But you know what? Neither do I deserve God's forgiveness. I can't earn God's forgiveness, so nobody else should be able to have to earn my forgiveness. See, I can't balance the scales before God, so why do I expect other people to balance the scales for me? I'll share another story on how the gospel has influenced someone's life. I heard a story about this guy called Bobby Jones. Now, Bobby was a very respected man in the real estate industry. Let's say he's from New York. So he was top of his region, Highly respected. I mean, Bobby Jones, he was the man. He won awards. He was in the top point, point, whatever percent of all the thousands of real estate agents out there. I mean, Bobby Jones in real estate, 
Bobby Jones, he was the man. Bobby, because he was quite a good guy, would every now and then go speak to the new agents. And they would fly him around the world. Let's just say he worked for ABC Real Estate. I'm adding a little bit of details here, but the story is true. Um, So it was one of these occasions where Bobby was about to get highly, highly humiliated. But also a great example on how the gospel has the potential to apply to life's curveballs. Because I promise you, live long enough, life is going to throw you a few curveballs. And actually, when those curveballs come, will we be able to apply the gospel to them? So back to Bobby. So Bobby thought, maybe he's coming to speak to the new guys now. So he walked into this boardroom thinking that these were the new people he was supposed to speak to. But it was the wrong room. This room was full of guys being trained on something else. And the lecturer, when he walked in, he, um, let me stick to my notes, sorry, I just want to say the story accurately. So he thought he was going to do, but in fact, he walked into the boardroom full of agents who were being trained. Now the agent, now the trainer did not recognize that this was the Bobby Jones New York real estate. He thought it was one of the agents that was late for his training. And this trainer let rip into this guy. Who do you think you are? You are coming so late. Have you no respect? Have you no manners? Where have you been that you're so late? And, and shoo, humiliated the poor guy. Said to him, there's an open seat right there. Go the corner there. Go sit there and your colleagues will fill you in on what you've missed. Now, Bobby, I mean, he was a little bit confused. Sorry, man. I, sorry, I must have got the times wrong. They must have given me the, 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 the wrong time. So he walked over. He sat down. But as the trainer began to talk, Bobby realized, actually, I'm in the wrong room here. And he waited for a gap, and he said to the trainer, Sorry, my, my name is Bobby Jones, and I'm here to speak to the new guys. And the trainer was like, <gasps> And you, the shock and horror on the trainer's face, because all the blood rushed out, because he just realized this was the Bobby Jones that he was climbing into. Um, he wanted to die of embarrassment. He almost braced himself for this <gasps> from Bobby. But what did this guy do? He says, Sorry, um, I'm in the wrong room. I apologize for, for, um, for messing up your, uh, for interrupting your lecture. And then he left and went his way. Now, when Bobby retold the story, he said, this was the scripture that came to mind. I'm shrinking. No, this thing's shrinking. Um, <coughs> I'll leave it. Philippians 2, verse 5. It says, in your relationships or in your attitudes with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who, being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing. Excuse me, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Now, how would you have responded if someone didn't respect you and humiliated you like that? I know I probably would have sat there thinking, you know who I am? How can you talk to me? Oh, didn't you find some funny people say that? That's such a sign of insecurity. Do you know who I am? I'm, I'm Bobby Jones. Hey, how would you have responded if somebody climbed into you like that and insulted you? And you know what the truth is? Guys, we all deserve, we, we all do this. Traffic, I know I'm not this in traffic. Traffic rolls. It's like late on Friday because the M4 was down into one lane and I'm free. And, but why? Because I think I'm special. I shouldn't have to sit in traffic. I shouldn't have to sit in traffic. Eh? Or if we're in a queue at Woolies. We're in a queue and one cashier. No, you're laughing because you know it's true. <laughs> We've all got this inside of us. We've all got this inside of us. But you see, Bobby's life had been totally transformed by the gospel. 
And I'm sure he would have thought to himself, if the King of Kings, the creator of the universe, God Almighty, was able to humble himself, got off his throne where he was being worshipped, came down to earth as a human being, humble, 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 was beaten, had his beard plucked out of him, had his back exposed from the whipping, guts sticking out, a massive crown of thorn placed on his, and while this is all happening to him, what does he say? He doesn't say, do you know who I am? His father. Forgive them. God Almighty. God Almighty. If anyone deserved special treatment, it was him. If anyone deserved special treatment, it was Jesus. But what does he say? Forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive them, Lord. You see, Bobby knew. I want to I, I let that truth change my heart. When I'm faced in a situation like that, I want the, I want the first thing that comes to mind, Jesus went through much worse than what I'm going through now. Actually, I want to forgive. Bobby knew that if people rejected him, he was accepted by the Creator because Jesus was rejected so that we can be accepted. He, he bared all our rejection so that we could be accepted by him, by, by the King of Kings. He went through the rejection so that we don't have to. You see, Bobby was not consumed by what people thought about him, the opinion of him. He was secure in the fact that God Almighty accepted him and that he was hidden in Christ. He didn't need anyone else's affirmation because he had the affirmation of the Most High, of the Most High God saying, you are my son, you are my daughter. See, why could Bobby, being so well-respected, so well-known, respond the way he did? Because he knew he was just as broken as the person insulting him. See, the gospel levels us. It humbles the most righteous of us, those that think that we've got our lives all together and we never do anything wrong and we're so perfect and we so, it actually humbles us because we realize we're not as good as what we think we are. But also, it lifts us up. If you feel that you're beyond forgiveness, if you feel, no, I'm the worst of sinners, I, 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 God, God will not forgive me of this, the gospel picks you up and says, yes, he went through the most horrific death to cover the most horrific sin. There is nothing that cannot be forgiven in Christ. See, the gospel is this, Tim Keller's definition. I love this. It says, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believed. Yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Christ than we ever dared hoped. We are more sinful than what we thought we were, but we are way more loved than we could even comprehend and imagine. I love it. So how does the gospel level us? You know what it does? It takes our flawed human measurement of sin. You know, like, like we grade things. We think, oh, this is a very righteous person. Oh, this is a very bad person. And we kind of grade people. And we put that against God's requirement for acceptance, which is perfect obedience. And there is not a person on this planet that can claim perfect obedience. No one. Romans 3, it talks about how everyone has fallen short. And let me illustrate by way of example some more pictures here. So if we look at, have you ever looked at a city skyline, like Durban, you can see the buildings, or, or Joburg, or can you put that first picture up, please, um, uh, Travis? Um, so this is New York. So yeah, we can see the skyline here, you can see this, like MetLife building there, the One World Tower there. So let's just say this is our human level of grading people. We say, no, this is a really good person here. No, this guy's good. Hey, he's not as good as this Oki over here, but uh, shoo, he's good. And then here, just please work with me, baby. Um, here we have all the bad people. I mean, these guys, murders, rapists, 
It's the low of low of society. Yeah, you know, we've got some average Okies here. We've got uh, some red, I'm probably like here, kind of somewhere in the bottom, if you have to see what goes on inside my heart. But maybe like Grant's here. I don't know where Brendan fits in here. Where, <laughs> there. <laughs> but you see, we grab, and, and, and we kind of look at people, and we grade them, but you know how God sees us? Can you put the next picture on, please? God looks at us from the top, and you know how we all look? All look the same. That's New York from the top, not from the side anymore. It's, can you see, where's that Empire State Building now? Where's that One World Tower now? Where's those, where's those lowest of lows? Where's those, those murderers? That, no, no, no. All same boat. Same boat. We all need Jesus, guys. We all need Jesus. We're all in trouble. We all need God's forgiveness. There is no one better or worse than the next person. We all fall short. Every single one of us. The most righteous of righteous and the worst of sinners. Jesus is the only person who perfectly obeyed. And how's this? We get the credit for his obedience. He gets our disobedience. We get the credit for his obedience. What a loving God. Man, I want to give him everything I, I have. We level, friends. We are all level. Just because we're leaders here doesn't make us any more acceptable to God. Then if you're not a leader... God will listen to your prayers just as much as he will listen to mine or Grant's or Brendan's. There's no, oh, no, I'm really bad, so God's not going to listen to my prayers. No, in Christ. This is all of us in Christ. We're all the same. We are all in Christ. We're the same. The gospel levels us. He knows you, and you can know him. We all love to be associated with famous people. Hey, anyone know anyone famous here? Huh? Okay. You've fallen asleep. He's like, he got you. Wasn't there somebody famous? So uh, I, I think the most famous person that I know is, um, is David Miller. I, I, hope, I think he's, maybe he still knows me. I don't know. Maybe he'll recognize my face. He might have forgotten my name. But, but I love telling people I know David Miller. We were in the same church together. We had coffee together once. Oh, man, David and I, he's sorted. And because uh, it does something for, for my ego, <laughs> for my little fragile ego. Um, we feel important by association. So we name drop. In a conversation, oh yeah, David and I, yeah, what's up to each other? Yeah, you know, hey, yeah. So, we're like, we're like mates, man, we're like cool, yeah. So uh, we all do it. We're at a party, oh yeah, I know this, oh, 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 it's puffing us up, puffing us up. But, uh, but how's this? If ever you wanted something to help with your self worth, if ever you have felt rejected, unloved, unworthy, forgotten, if you don't feel valuable, do you know what can change your life forever? Not David Miller. He's a great guy, but he's flawed and he's broken just like me. And I'm sure he'll be okay with me saying that because he knows Jesus, loves Jesus, great guy. But David Miller won't change your life. No famous person, no. Okay, Kim, give me some famous people. <laughs> Kim Kardashian. <laughs> who did you say last night? I don't know who they were. Beyonce, whatever. <laughs> Those famous people, not going to change your life. But do you know what will? Is knowing this. Is knowing that. The creator of the universe, God Almighty, the most powerful, most incredible, majestic, holy, royal, lovable, massive, all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful, God knows your name, knows your name, and that you and I are known by God and can get to know him as our father. But more than knowing your name and having the privilege of calling him father, knowing that he chose to die on a cross for you the most famous person of all. See, it's one thing to know a famous person. It's one thing to know Beyonce. 
But another thing to have the most famous, most powerful person in the world die for you. Die for you. Shed his blood for you. My friends, that changes everything about who we are and how we live our lives knowing that truth. And I know a subject like this, the gospel in life, we can, we can take years to speak about how it applies to every, every area of our lives, our money, our relationships, our sexuality, our, our jobs, our works. Our, I mean, we can, talk, we can go on for years talking about this. And I know I probably haven't done justice, but I would have felt if I'd done it justice. If, if, I, if, if you could just do the, if May I please ask that you consider doing this. <laughs> If God can start over the next few days, next few weeks, next few hours, if you can start doing this, to ask God to show you how to apply the gospel to your everyday life. To every area of our lives. Maybe you need to forgive. Maybe we need to stop expecting special treatment. Um, Maybe we need to stop trying to make people earn and approve our forgiveness. Maybe we need to stop looking for approval and things that will never satisfy. Like... Um, maybe we're just so consumed about how many likes we get or how many retweets we get or how many friends, Facebook. We are all searching for approval, but you know what? You have the approval of the Most High God when you are in Christ and melts our hearts. Ask Him how you can apply that. And the second thing is, is to, to begin a journey of discovering more than what there is to this gospel. Because the gospel is like a diamond. I mean, every angle you look at it, there's more beautiful things to do. We can't do it justice now. But if you can begin a journey of that, oh, man, that would be amazing. You already have the approval of the Most High. Can we praise this incredible God? Sorry, please, can you stand? And uh, we're going to continue praising. We're going to just worship God. But I spoke about God knowing us, us being known by God, God knowing us. And um, we believe that God speaks to us. And this morning, uh, we had a few words come through in our prayer meeting. And we believe that just God's speaking to us as a church, and He wants to say a few things to us. So I think, who's going to speak? Christo. Was Christo going to share with Grant. Oh, sorry, Gareth. Cool. So this morning in the prayer meeting, I just kind of got this idea of the, the brightest lights casting the darkest shadows. Um, and I feel if God's the brightest lights... And there's no shadows really. I think the only shadows are when we stand in that light and and with with our own belief and our own understandings and our own strengths, um, we cast those shadows. But I feel like the more and more we accept Christ and the more and more we accept his love and his grace, the smaller those shadows really become. Morning guys. Um, yeah, I also just had a picture of my got a say fig tree, fig tree in the back of my garden and um, these leaves have just been eaten and diseased and black and you know the, the, you can see the plant struggling and what this plant's, do, plant's done it's, it's, it's thrown off all its leaves everything that's diseased and eaten it's just chucked them off and all the new fresh bright green leaves are just coming out and yeah well I just felt that it's it's those things in our lives that's, that's eating us and that's diseased and things, we just need to let go of those things. Let them go. Ask God for forgiveness in those areas that we need and, and let all of those things go so the new leaves can come out fresh and green and, and just grow and it will flourish in our lives. So I don't know if you see yourself in any of those pictures that have been shared, um, whether it's of the light shining in the shadows of the fig tree, whether it's what I shared earlier about God reaching down into the gutters in our hearts and 
pulling out the guns, or Rory this morning texted me and said he felt like God was wanting to cleanse our hearts. But I'd just love it if we could close our eyes for a second and maybe just respond to God. We're going to take communion after we sing the song together. That's an amazing time just to minister to one another and pray for each other and just remember what Jesus has done on the cross for us. And I would love us just to actually bring anything we need to before God and ask Him to meet us where we're at and actually just to fill us with His Spirit, to fill us with His grace, to wash us clean, to shine His light upon us, to bring the greenery to our lives. So we really do ask you for that this morning, Jesus. We would love the gospel to transform and impact every single part of our lives. And Lord, probably for all of us, there's blind spots and areas that need your change. And we really ask you, even now, Holy Spirit, to highlight certain things, to reveal a blind spot, to put some stuff in us to death, to bring other stuff to life. Maybe even some dreams that we've had for years, Lord, which have just died, we've given up on. Actually, you'd bring those things to life again. You breathe fresh Um, breath on those dreams and that actually we have faith for those things again so we ask you to speak to us and minister to us to cleanse us to take the weight off of us and we just celebrate you jesus and what you've done